Um, so we're gonna do the Lectio now. And um, the reason we've kind of decided to go this direction is because we're living in a church culture today where it's common to use the Bible as a weapon against anyone or anything that we have judged as less than. Uh, on the other hand, many of us have tossed the Bible out as if it was last week's newspaper because it's no longer current and all the sales have expired. So what we're trying to do during this Lectio Divina, which literally means divine reading, is focus on the Psalm from the lectionary for this week, um, for this particular day, and um, give value to scripture that allows us to see it as a resource for truth and life and have that rather than using it as our weapon of choice. And also, we want to draw you to scripture in a way that is relevant for you in your day-to-day -day life, demonstrating the relevance of scripture and how it is for us today. So today's passage is from Psalm 139, and there's um, verse 1 to 6 and 13 to 18. But for the sake of, because we're rereading this, I'm going to just read um, 13 to 18 first, and then after that, just 17 and 18, because we're going to zero right in there. So um, I will read the verses several times asking you a question at the end of each reading and giving you about 30 seconds to listen for a response. You can put your answers in the chat if you would like, and especially today, I think it might be nice to see those. We're gonna be listening for each other today and hopefully encouraging some in our midst. So starting with verse 13 of Psalm 139. You created the deepest parts of my being. You put me together inside my mother's body. How you made me is amazing and wonderful. I praise you for that. What you've done is wonderful. I know that full well. None of my bones have been hidden from you when you made me inside my mother's body. That place was as dark as the deepest parts of the earth. When you were putting me together there, your eyes saw my body even before it was formed. You planned how many days I would live. You wrote them, uh, you wrote down the number of them in your book before I had lived through even one of them. God, your thoughts about me are priceless. No one can possibly add them all up. If I, if I could count them, they would be more than the grains of sand. If I were to fall asleep counting and then wake up, you'd still be there with me, counting. So my first question is, God's thoughts about us are really quite prolific. Let's listen for one word God might have to share with us about one of us here today. Okay, so first of all, we're going to listen for someone else. Let's each ask God for one word in his thoughts about Wendy Martin. 
Now you don't have to worry that you don't know Wendy because we aren't listening for your thoughts about Wendy. We are listening for God's thoughts about Wendy. When you've heard a word for Wendy, please share it in the chat and I'll give you a bit of time to listen. Who's Wendy? Do I have my mic? So if you have a word that came to mind that God was telling you about Wendy, just put that into the chat. So we have sweet and kind. Wendy, I hope you can let this all go in. Beautiful, amazing, a treasure to me. Hope, kind, amazing and wonderful. You are a miracle, a beautiful song, unique, a beautiful spirit. Wendy, all of these things are true, and these are God's thoughts for you today. Let's read verse 17 to 18 again, and then we'll ask another question. God, your thoughts about me are priceless. No one could possibly add them all up. If I could count them, they would be more than the grains of sand. If I were to fall asleep counting and then wake up, you would still be there with me. So now I want you to think to choose someone within our community that you would like to ask God to highlight for you. You might need to pull up um, the gallery view or just scroll through or just consider, God, who, do you, who are you highlighting for me? And when you've listened um, and you have something, I would like you um, to write the person's name that was highlighted and then the word for them from God. You're welcome to put the person's name and the word you had heard for them in the chat. If you don't know how to use the chat, you just need to go to the bottom of the Zoom um, page and a little um, bar should pop up that includes chats. And if you click on that, 
you can add something. Okay. Wow, I can't keep up here. I'm gonna to try to do this. Um, so for Jeff, the word solid. For Kath Austin, you are priceless. Uh, for Karen Mitchinson, caring, thoughtful, co-creator. For Pam, like God, faithful and true. For Kylie, full of life, a beautiful smile, radiant. So Marlissa, we're, we're, we're just asking God to highlight someone in the group and that we would listen for them and have one word to encourage them of a thought from God of them. That doesn't sound like it's clear to you. I'll just continue. Maybe you'll catch it as we go. Okay, sorry about that. Um, for Sharon, faithful, kind, wonderful. For Esther, God still with you, still there with you. For Sarah Pickering, real, oh yeah. Uh, for Bonnie, a tree of spring buds blooming. That's cool. For Sharla, so loved. For John, God is closer than your very own skin. For Phil, precious to me. For Marlissa, God listen, listens always, never tired of listening to you. You are a treasure of high value. For Noreen, loving and kind. For Jan Boxall, delightful. For Nathan, worthy. Steve Mitch, for Steve Mitchinson, hey bro, there are more galaxies than grains of sand. His thoughts about you reflect that immensity. For Terry, God listens to you. He likes what you think. Wow, you guys. Good job. It's exciting. Covered so many people. So we're going to read the, the passage one more time. This time, um, I've thought of someone, but I'm not going to tell you who it is. Um, and you're going to... Um, to have a, a bit of space to listen for them. So let's read the scripture again. God, your thoughts about me are priceless. No one can possibly add them all up. If I could count them, they would be more than the grains of sand. If I were to fall asleep counting and then wake up, you would still be there with me, counting. So, Just want you to listen for a word. 
and I'll tell you who it's for in a minute. You just put it in the chat when you've got that word. Put your name and, the, and, and then the word you've got. All right, so who you are listening for right now was for yourself. And so I want you to take that in. I, I, I'll just read quickly through them. Um, Sarah, loved. Marlissa, oh, you, you had one for Paul kind, comedic, a friend, an advocate and loved completely by God. True. Uh, Karina, big excitement. Susie, peace. Sarah, love. Susie, safe. One of those is probably John. Uh, Jeff, you are my skin in the world. iPhone. Only you know who you are. Health. Kathy, safe under the still starry night. Esther, blooming. May it be so. Steve Mitchinson, actually from Karen, a gift. Sharla, a promise of renewal. Let it go in, Sharla, all the way in. Um, Alyssa, energetic. Jackie, a gift. Alyssa, so one of these is Phil, welcome home. Sylvia, lovely. Marlissa, still. Harry, honest heart. Well done, you guys. It's awesome. I hope that you'll consider how you might be able to tap into listening to God every day for yourself and for others and how you can bring um, some of the grains of sand of the numbers and the expanse of God's thoughts for us to the world, to yourself and to the world. Um, I'll just close in prayer. Jesus, help us to hear your voice clearly. When there are so many voices and messages competing for our attention and drowning out the truth of who we really are and how you feel about each of us, help us to tune into your voice and your life-giving messages. 
Amen. Hi, good morning. And good morning. now for something completely different. Um, <laughs> I don't think we mentioned it earlier, but if you haven't grabbed your juice, your wine and um, some bread or a cracker, um, quickly grab them. We are going to head straight in so that we can um, carry on. Um, but yeah, the, the words of what we're going to use now for communion is um, maybe embracing some more ancient words. So just an encouragement to you to open up your heart and mind to words that maybe you wouldn't normally use and just see what God can uh, speak to you through these older words. Yeah, we just wanted to share a little bit of, of our background. Um, I grew up in the Anglican Church and when we were um, married, we were in the Anglican Church for a number of years. And um, I was in the part of the Anglican Church where each Sunday was the Eucharist or the Holy Communion. And uh, it was the words of the liturgy that happened um, each week. Um, I think there's been much debate over the years, you know, what communion actually is and, and uh, what happens when we do it. Um, and that's not really important, but I think at the, at the core of that, it's something that has been present in Christian worship since the very beginning, because Jesus asked us, to do this uh, when we met together, uh, to do these things, to remember him, his life, his death and his resurrection. So Mystery, it? um, it's hard to explain the unexplainable. Mm. And I think uh, there's so many uh, uh, theories about this because we're trying to explain the unexplainable, mm. but at the core of it is Jesus and, and us remembering him and who he is. So we're going to use some of the words from uh, the Anglican liturgy, um, which is what Karen was referring to. And what we're going to do is, uh, we're going to read a prayer um, and then we're going to come to taking of the bread and the wine separately and then we'll read another prayer at the end of that. Um, I hope that that makes sense. So anyway, here we go. Here's some words that have been filtered through the centuries uh, addressing um, the, the communion. Hear us, merciful Father, we pray and grant that we receiving these gifts of your creation, this bread and this wine, according to your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ's holy institution, in remembrance of his death and passion. May be partakers of his most blessed body and blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shared for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Amen. So first we'll take the bread. Um, and I'm just going to read a, a little prayer over that as you do this. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ which is given for you, preserve your body and soul to everlasting life. Amen. Thank you, Father. And now take the, the drink and we say the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, Preserve your body and soul to everlasting life. Amen.
Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your son and you brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace and opened the gate of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope that you have set before us so that we and all your children shall be free and the whole earth live to praise your name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. That was good to do that together. And uh, I just want to pass you on now to Sarah, um, who is going to do the sermon. Is that is that the right order, guys? Yes. Good morning. Yeah. Oh, Sarah Kirkland. Yes. Oh, no, Sarah's reading. Oh, Sarah's reading. Okay. So. Two Sarahs. <laughs> A small brain can't comprehend this. <laughs> just before you read Sarah Kirkland out going, oh, my gosh, I didn't prepare a message. It's the wrong Sarah. Oh, my <laughs> word. What's going on? I'm reading from John uh, chapter 1, verses 43 to 51 this morning. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, where he found Philip. Follow me, he said to him. Philip came from Bethsaida, the town Andrew and Peter hailed from. Philip found Nathanael. We've found him, he said. The one Moses wrote about in the law, and the prophets too. We found him. It's Jesus, Joseph's son from Nazareth. Really? replied Nathanael. Are you telling me that something good can come out of Nazareth? Come and see, replied Philip. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him. Here he comes, he said. Look at him. He's a real Israelite, genuine through and through. How did you get to know me? asked Nathanael. Oh, replied Jesus, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip spoke to you. Rabbi, replied Nathanael. You're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Wait a minute, said Jesus. Are you telling me that you believe just because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You'll see a lot more than that. In fact, he went on, I'm telling you the solemn truth. You'll see heaven opened and God's angels ascending and descending on the son of man. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, I'd want to freak you out and go, so Sarah, and, and deliver a message Sarah, shall I pray for you real quick? Do it. Okay, so Father, thank you. Um, there's been lots of words already this morning from different people, but right now, as we hear from you through Sarah, I pray that you open up her mind and heart to share all that you've placed there, that we can um, just in this moment, Father, focus on you and what you want to share with us this morning from this passage. Bless Sarah as she prepares um, to speak to us now, God, and fill her up as she pours out to us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Karen. All right. Um, I'm not even sure. I, I, I love this passage and I find it a little bit funny. Like I actually find it a little bit hilarious. Jesus and Philip and Nathaniel, their interaction between each other. I mean, it's just it just makes me smile. I wonder um, if it's the, you know, can anything good come from Nazareth? Like cracking down down there? I don't think so. Maybe it's the I saw you under the tree. I mean, did Jesus actually see him? Did he? like ask him on the way into town I don't know maybe it's that Philip takes off to get his friend as soon as Jesus talks to him and I picture Jesus sort of standing there going where'd you go what um but I don't know maybe it's just that it's a heartwarming people story um of people who are seen and known by God but it just makes me smile I think I just love the humanity of the whole thing 
And there are a few simple phrases in this passage that jumped out at me. Uh, a few of them come from Jesus and then one from Philip. Jesus says a few things. He says, follow me and come and see. And Philip actually says, come and see as well. And then he says to Nathaniel, we found him. So follow me. Jesus is recruiting. He's gathering his people and getting his lads in place. As soon as Philip hears follow me, he runs off to get Nathaniel. And it plays like this in my head. Okay, you have to imagine it because it's a bit silly. Philip is doing his thing, whatever his thing is. Maybe it's fishing. Maybe it's mending nets. Maybe he's a potter. Maybe he's a quilt maker. I don't know what he is. Um, who knows what he's doing, but he's doing his thing. And suddenly Jesus is right there in front of him saying, follow me. And immediately, without saying another word, Philip takes off running. And the way I picture it is that Jesus is standing there, shaking his head, going, well, that was weird. Again, with the taking off as soon as I say, follow me thing. Because just yesterday in Bethany, it happened before, as Andrew had gone straight off to tell Peter. And now it is happening again. And Jesus is left standing there going, I guess I'll come back. I don't know. Just watching Peter disappearing into the distance. But then Philip comes back with Nathaniel in tow, and there's this exchange that happens between the two men that Sarah read us. And together they join Jesus along with Andrew and Peter that we can assume that maybe they knew because they were all from the same town. Following Jesus is an experience. And it's a full participation events that lasts forever. Follow me is said 87 times in the gospels. That is a lot. Follow me is an invitation to join Jesus in the journey. And the way of Jesus is the way of love. I actually started following Jesus by accident uh, because I was trying to get people to like me. I started at a boarding school just over a year after my mum died and I was miserable and I was angry at the world and consequently was not in great shape to make friends. I hurt people far too frequently to be very approachable. Like I had my elbows out. I was like, come near me, just try it. Uh, and so eventually, in my desperation to actually have anybody like me, I pretended to be a Christian and I joined the Christian Union because I figured that they would have to like me because, you know, God and everything. Um, I realize now that I actually got lucky. And my idea, my thought, my premise about Jesus followers was as it should be. Uh, not necessarily how it always is, but this group was actually cool. I've heard other people's stories over time about being rejected at worst, looked down on, judged, maybe tolerated at best. And I realized how fortunate I was with the group that I sidled up to. And I faked it really well. Like I was good. I learned the guitar. I went to their meetings and I slowly started to kind of worm my way in. Then one night as I was lying in my bed, I felt like I heard God speak to me. And, uh, and he said, you can fool them, but you can't fool me. Are you going to do this properly? This was Jesus saying to me, are you really in? And not being one to cave too easily, I set God the task of providing perfect tennis weather for every match that we had between then and the end of the summer term to prove that he could do it, to prove that he was worth following. And then my side of the deal was going to be that I would follow him. I don't know if you've ever been to England in the summer, but the likelihood of having good tennis weather like no wind no rain it's like like close to close to zero the likelihood of that happening however god is god and uh god kept inside the deal and at the end of the term i kept mine and here we are 
I woke up on the last match day, opened the curtains, saw the blue sky and said, okay, I'm in. That was it. That was my confession of faith. Uh, Jesus said, follow me. And uh, it has led to all kinds of places and jobs and roles and opportunities. And here I am still figuring it all out as I go along and doing my best to follow the way of love that I see Jesus leading. Following Jesus has definitely been in kind of incremental steps for me as I've discovered more and more of his love along the way from my slightly odd beginning of faking it. Um, I am so grateful that that community of girls that I chose to ally myself with at the beginning uh, were welcoming. Like it could have gone badly the other way. They could have been like, absolutely not. I really, I was vile. So I'm, I'm surprised they did. Um, and my honest hope for this community is that we may be that same kind of community for others that would welcome everyone with open arms, no matter how prickly they are. May we be a community that moves over to make room so that somebody else can join us on the path of following Jesus. It would be super fun to go around and have to find out all your follow me stories. And maybe as time goes by, we can get to hear them. And um, perhaps you can pinpoint a time like that where you said, I'm in. But maybe it was just a slow burn that has just been always there for you since childhood. And you've followed and grown in following through the years, laying on layers of understanding as you've grown up year by year and developed different kind of critical thinking skills. My honest hope for our kids is that they would never know a time when they don't feel embraced and welcomed and accepted by God. But as they grow, they will add to and understand their faith better, but will never doubt how much they are loved. Maybe there are some things that you've thrown out because you realize that they have misrepresented God to you. Maybe you're still sifting through your history to find the gold and turning out what doesn't fit with who you've come to know Jesus is. And this is all following Jesus. This is all part of the path of walking with him and learning with him and loving with him and moving forward in the knowledge of him as love itself. Just please do it with him. Like if you decide... I'm going to break everything down and dump Jesus too. You might be kind of hooped. But if you do it with him, you're not. Because he can take questions. He can take doubts. He can take all of that stuff. He's, he's okay. He's, he's prepared to work it through with us. So following Jesus is all about love. And Jesus says to all of us, follow me. Jesus' next phrase and Philip's phrase too is about how we do that. And it is come and see. Philip's first instinct was to go and get his buddy to join him. Come and see, he says. Join me, Nathaniel. Let's do this together. Following Jesus is way more fun when we get to do it with our friends. And that's the first part of learning to be people of love is learning to do it together. A community of love loves its neighbours. So let's break that down. We all say, you know, love your neighbour. You're like, sure. What does that even mean? Uh, neighbours starts with our family and then our friends, and then outsiders, and then our enemies. Love moves from ourselves and our own interests to the interests of those around us and to the good of the wider world. And in learning to love all of that, we find that we are actually loving the creator. Galatians 5.14 says, for the whole law is summed up in one word, namely this, love your neighbor as yourself. And earlier in that same passage, verse six says, the one thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's fairly straightforward to say and a little harder work to do, but it's still worth every bit. 
This community has loved and loved and loved on Esther recently in her loss of Paul. Well done. We've been doing it. Carry on. Loving our friends, though, that's relatively easier. But what about when the circle goes out wider? Like family, friends, random strangers, enemies. Like what happens when it goes out there? That's a little harder to do. Brad um, posted this quote from a book written by Jim Forrest. Uh, I think he was quoting somebody else. The book's called Loving Our Enemies. And this is what it said. It expands on what on love that we're invited to come and see. Okay, it says this, if I cannot find the face of Jesus in the face of those whom I regard as enemies, if I cannot find him in the unbeautiful and damaged, if I cannot find him in those who have wrong ideas, if I cannot find him in the poor and the defeated and damaged, then how will I find him in bread and wine or in the life after death? If I do not reach out in this world to those with whom he has identified why do I imagine that I will want to be with him and them in heaven? Why would I want to be for all eternity in the company of those I avoided every day of my life? It's like, oh my gosh, that's huge. That's where the rubber hits the road, as my old pastor used to say. Um, I'm going to read it again. And I want you to think of somebody that you encountered this week who would fit in any of those categories. Picture them and then invite God to show you himself in them, okay? So you got somebody in your head? If I cannot find Jesus in the, in, if I cannot find the face of Jesus in the face of those whom I regard as enemies, if I cannot find him in the unbeautiful and damaged, if I cannot find him in those who have the wrong ideas, if I cannot find him in the poor and the defeated and damaged, then how will I find him in bread and wine or in the life after death? If I do not reach out in this world to those with whom he has identified, why do I imagine that I will want to be with him and them in heaven? Why would I want to be for all eternity in the company of those I avoided every day of my life? Kind of challenging thought. Let's do that at every turn. May we be people who see the face of Jesus in every person. If we go with the line of the spirit of God in me sees the spirit of God in you, that might be a good place to start. When you see God's love in action, are you quick to go tell someone else about it? Do you have the same instinct that Andrew and Philip had, which was to run and get their family and friends? Come and see seems to have been a natural instinct for those guys not protecting their own place or keeping following Jesus to themselves, but generously extending the invitation to their family and friends. If it's good news, then it's worth sharing. There have been times in the past when I've actually been a little bit reluctant to share what we've been presenting as good news because it didn't actually feel like good news. But the good news is God is love. And I do want to say, come and see about that. How do you say come and see? Well, it's when we see God at work in one another or in the world around us. So when have you seen God at work? This is something to put in the chat. When have you seen the divine in action in the world around you or in the people that you've encountered or even in or through yourself? So this is the question. Where have you seen God at work this week? In yourself, 
in your family, in your neighbor, in somebody else, in an enemy, in creation. See, the more we look, the more we see. So just start putting that in. Oh, Karina, thank you. She's found that quote. That's awesome. Come and see, Jesus says to Andrew. Come and see, Andrew says to Simon. Come and see, Philip says to Nathaniel. And come and see is what Jesus says again when John the Baptist sends more followers to find out if Jesus was the one after all. John was struggling to see the light from his prison cell. But Jesus tells John's followers to take what they've seen and heard back to John. Jesus sends this message. Look, the blind see, the lame walk, people with virulent skin diseases are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor hear the gospel. Jesus says to them, come and see, and then go and tell John what you've seen me do. So when we see, when we see God at work, how can we encourage one another by letting them see it too? Cool, there's loads of good things in the chat. His unending, breathtakingly beautiful creation and having grace for others, kind words from an acquaintance at a time when I'm feeling low. The last words that Jesus spoke before he died was to a thief. That kind of sums his heart up in protecting me. In the gifts and notices I received from the bridge when I returned from the island from the funeral. funeral. I couldn't have chosen better for myself, thank you. Also in the birds who swarmed me and kisses from a couple of dogs, etc., etc., etc. We've been God at work and we get to do it with him. Jesus says to us, come and see. And then I think he's half expecting us to run off and tell someone else like Philip and Andrew did. I think he's just half expecting us to just like piece the scene as soon as he says, come and see. Yes, I need to go find somebody else. Philip tells Nathaniel, come and see. And then as they're coming together, as they come together to Jesus, Nathaniel realized that he is fully seen. They come back to Jesus and Jesus says, here he comes. Look at him. He's a real Israelite, genuine through and through. Kind of like we did for each other in the Lectio Divina this morning. We saw each other and we saw what God saw in each other. And that was very cool. Nathaniel had been waiting for the Messiah. And here he was, large as life, standing in front of him. And Jesus lets Nathaniel know that he already knew him. This reminds me that we take one step towards God and we find that, that Emmanuel has run all the way to meet us. And that's enough for Nathaniel. He really doesn't take much convincing. He's very quick to call Jesus Rabbi, Son of God, King of Israel. And Jesus then underlines how right Nathaniel is by the last thing he said in the passage that we read today. The last sentence reminds me of an old story. And all those guys, Andrew, Peter, Philip and Nathaniel would have gone straight there too. Jesus says to them, I'm telling you the solemn truth. You'll see heaven opened and God's angels ascending and descending on the son of man. Immediately, they would have thought of their ancestor, Jacob, because Jesus is referring to the event in Jacob's story. Jacob was a schemer. His name meant that, bless him. Fully <laughs> kid schemer. Like, it's not going to go well for you. He was the second born twin, always trying to find ways to be number one. He spent his whole life trying to get one up on Esau, who was born ahead of him. He was born holding onto his brother's heel, trying to hold him back, even in birth, grasping at something that wasn't his to have. He tricked Esau out of his birthright, and then he tricked him out of his father's blessing. When his mother heard that Esau's anguish at having his blessing stolen, she told Jacob to run away. 
and Jacob left home and ran to Haran. Sometime later, he lay down to sleep with his head on a rock. Clearly didn't have much if he's sleeping with his head on a rock. In his dream, he saw a ladder reaching from the ground up to heaven. God's angels were going up and down on it. God was right before him saying, I am God, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. I'm giving you the ground on which you are sleeping to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will be as the dust of the earth. They'll stretch from west to east and from north to south. All the families of the earth will bless themselves in you and your descendants. Yes, I'll stay with you. I'll protect you wherever you go and I'll bring you back to this very ground. I'll stick with you until I've done everything I promised you. Jacob, the scoundrel and schemer, had an encounter with God. Surely that's an encouragement to all of us. Jacob woke up from his sleep and said, God is in this place, truly, and I didn't even know it. He was terrified and whispered in awe, incredible, wonderful, holy, this is God's house. This is the gate of heaven. So the guys had that story playing in their head as Jesus tells them, I'm the ladder. I'm the connection between heaven. You're going to see the angels going up and down on me. His point is, it's me. Jesus is like standing up going, it's me. I'm God with you. Yes, even you. I guess Jesus is, it makes me laugh. Anyway, Jacob called the place where he had had the dream, Bethel, which means God's house. And many years later, his descendants came and took possession of it. And it became one of the places of worship. The connection the Israelites made was that God is really present with his angels coming and going, linking heaven and earth when you worship God. Jesus is saying, hello, boys, it's me. Nathaniel is being invited to see that Jesus is the ladder. He's the connection between heaven and earth. He's being invited to see that Jesus is God with us and he's being invited to follow him. He's saying to them and now to us as well, don't think that all you will see is one or two remarkable acts of insight, such as me showing you that I knew you before you got here. What you'll see from now is the reality of the connection between heaven and earth in me. These are signs pointing to me, says Jesus. If you follow me, you'll see what it looks like when heaven and earth are open to each other. Jesus tells them, when you're with me, it's as though you're in the house of God, with God's angels coming and going, and God's own presence is right there beside you. And it's still true. When we're with Jesus, when we're following his way of love, it's as though we are in the house of God with the angels coming and going and God's own presence right here with us. And this is good news with a capital G-O-O-D-N-E-W-S. Like the whole thing is capitalized. This is good news. God with us is really good news. And that is good news that's worth telling someone else to come and see too. So like Philip said to Nathaniel and Andrew said to Simon, we found him. Come and see. Let's pray. Jesus, remind us again that we are sitting on a pile of good news. Open our eyes to see that you are working around us, in us, and through us. Open our ears to hear your whisper, follow me. Open our lips to say, come and see, to whoever needs to hear it. 
And may we be those who are found on the way of love. And may we be quick to run and get others to join us too. Amen.